This is Steve from Retroman Blog, and welcome to this very special episode of Retrosonic Podcast presenting the fabulous Corettes. And first of all, you'll hear an interview with Flavia and Martin in the dressing room just before they were about to hit the stage at a sold-out Lexington in London, and then we discuss their superb new album, Back in Mono, which is out now on Damaged Goods Records. We talk about the recording process and how a 15-year-old singer in Japan prompted them to get the album mixed in Tokyo as they tried to capture that elusive wall of sound. And then in part two, I caught up with a couple just after they'd returned home to Denmark and we reflected on the trials and tribulations of their non-stop 17-date tour of the UK. So we discussed their experiences of hitting the road and how they coped with the double issues of the pandemic and Brexit. They also pick out some of the highlights, such as their favourite venues and crowd reactions, and we hear about the various people who helped them along the way. Of course, this episode is soundtracked by a selection of fantastic Corette songs, including some that are very special to Flavia and Martin themselves, and then we even have time to discuss more about their imaginative, sometimes bizarre merchandise, their Corettes Mobile tour bus, and even the Corettes Rock and Roll High School. So check out retromanblog.com for my feature on the Lexington show and a glowing review of Back in Mono. But first of all, sit back, change the dial to mono, and enjoy the fabulous Corettes. Steve from Retro Man Blog, and um, we're currently backstage at the Lexington, and I'm very honoured to welcome here Martin and Flavia from the Corets. Uh, Hi, Steve. To see you it's again. a pleasure you, to be here. Yeah, it's great. And you're in the middle now of a an old, good old-fashioned tour, a, a sort of massive UK tour. Yeah. Just like the good old days. My first gig in London for ages. Oh yeah. All right. And, um, at the nice same with us. So. Yeah. So this is a, a massive tour. I think you're you're doing all these dates around the UK with not not even a break. I think it's like literally one 17 day. Seventeen back to back. Seventeen yeah. days, no day offs. We hate day offs. So yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> We've gone from this lockdown situation yeah. to suddenly you're out doing this huge tour, playing in front of packed, sweaty audiences. How has it been for you? Surreal, I must say. It's a uh, all this was uh, planned during the pandemics and. Uh, and it was a crazy time because we didn't know what was it with all the lockdowns where we're ever gonna play again. How was 
there was no future all of a sudden, you know. Yeah. We, we didn't Which know venues what's... are going to be left? Which when venues this is over. and how? What about the the, the the underground culture and all these lovely places and venues and uh, yeah. where they're going to survive? And uh, it's been a very uh, unsecure. Well, I don't know. Yeah, what to say I mean, like everybody else, but yes, of course, us as musicians, you know, it was a really tough time. Yeah, and uh, I think we were actually uh, lucky to make some shows in 2020 that many bands did not have a chance. I yeah. mean, Denmark opened up a little bit yeah. in the summer. We did yeah. some some things outside and uh, yeah. you know free air, and uh, we toured like, Germany, actually Germany, in October, for example. Yeah. I mean, people were sitting down, which was so boring <laughs> because they could not dance, yeah. and you know. Yeah. And then we had to do two sets, like 90 people. They sit yeah. down, and they go out. So comes 90 because of the capacity, so we had sure. to do two shows for the same money and it, you know, it was really, uh, yeah, it was very different. Yeah. But it now it's actually touring just like, yeah. as we said before, just like the good yeah. old days. That so must have been so frustrating amazing. for you because you really, I mean, a lot of the bands that I see, you really feed off the energy of a crowd, don't you? Yeah. I mean, exactly. you're very, you're, I mean, you're literally stage diving, getting into the crowd, yeah. yes. as part of your your feel and your, your act of yeah. the chorettes, you know, and but that interaction with the audience. So it must have been very strange to have a, it's a super strange very, to, yeah. to perform in front of people. Exactly. That Another weird experience in the in the lockdown was this live stream. And oh, then yeah. we know we just did a live stream from yeah. our studio. We were sweaty and playing, you know, having fun. And then yeah. it was over. We just go first. It's weird to play for a telephone, as you said. There's no interaction. But you know, it was there. And then when we just you know ended the show, we just pressed the button. And then that was it. There was no uh, selling merch, interacting, talking to people. Oh, it was a good show, having a beer. Look at each other and say, okay, what are we going to do now? So yeah. adrenalized and uh, then we just went yeah. home. Okay, yeah. let's go home. So, yeah. But I think that's because if anyone doesn't know by now, you're a husband and wife duo. Yes. Yeah. And I guess in a way that might have been easier for you in the lockdown. Did you find it? Because mm. you did have a chance to to do these sort of live streams and... Um, yeah, but we hate live streams. I mean, it was yeah, not fun at all to do that. We yeah. took a whole week trying to find out how all the techniques, uh, yeah. you know, work and, and there's no interaction, very hard to monetize. And at some point, people are doing live streams from the... I don't know what, like, it was, it's almost like when you were on Facebook, you just, you know, stumbling a live stream here and there. Yeah. So, so it was a format that I think it got easily uh, old. It, it became extremely boring because yeah. so many were sitting in their couches. It was yeah, I think all it was this really going to a venue, having a good time. And a, was, there's uh, no community, that's, that's weird. But yeah, anyways, it, it, it was important to keep things... I mean, yes, people connected at some point, people made parties and it was fun. Yeah. But also, I think what we actually used the time, it was to make our new record. Yeah, yeah We were in the studio, we yeah. were producing new stuff, we were writing songs and working yeah. in arrangements. So that was fun so you had to, to have this you, time You off. used the time to be creative. And, exactly. And, I mean, you mentioned the studio and you've done the live streams from the studio and you've, you've got this... You're, you're now, I think you're adding to this all the time on you as you go along. You've got your own studio. We got our own yeah, studio. Exactly, Star Sound Studios. Star, Star Sound Studios. Yeah. In, uh, you know, it, it's it's crazy because we in 2019 we spent like literally all all money we own in yeah. building the studio. Okay, so our big dream is we know we want to do back in mono record and uh, so then we we wanted to have this uh, vintage 60s studio here now. So we spent like everything we have everything we own because we know 2020 is looking very good it's our best year so far yeah we can turn around the whole yeah. the whole economy yeah. you know we can actually out. afford this living of playing and with all our investments in the studio yeah can we, what's it called recruit you know, 
Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. That, we know that was March, not, yeah, that was comes not in March, this yeah. big slap in the yeah. face. Yeah. Now, so. But we have this, we had the studio, so that was But hey, man, we have a killer studio now. Well, I was going to ask you, because your previous albums, you know, singles and records, they, they really seem to concentrate on capturing your live energy. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, they, I mean, they're just that raw energy yeah. that you, and you've done it really well. You've, you've managed to, a lot of bands can't do it when they, but you've captured that live feel, I think, personally. Yeah. But with the new album, Back in Mono, yeah. I think, it's not a mellowing of the sound, but I can sense that you really utilise the studio. Yes. yes. So I think you it know, feels that you you're actually use, expanding the yeah. sound using more instrumentation. And am I? Do you think I'm wrong there? No, no, yeah. you're totally right. We, we have, are using we have the this, studio as an instrument now. Yeah, and we have this big dream of saying, okay, we know the whole. Uh, we want to dig, dive deep in the Phil Spector, Bert Burns, all these great songwriters. We want to do this uh, much much better songwriting. We want to really dig deep in the, all of the wall of sound, uh, yeah. Phil Spector, Gold Star, Larry Levine sound. And, uh, I think we just wanted to you know, use the studio as an instrument. And, yeah. and before we were always worried about, okay, we cannot put so many overdubs because it, it, we, we want to play the two of us. Mm. So if we have a piano part, which is amazing, and is it taking all the song, you know, uh, leading all the song, then we cannot do that live, except if it has a guitar too, so sure. I cannot play both instruments at the sure. same time. Yeah. So we were always worried about, okay, can I put this back in vocal, can I put this here, that we can do that, uh, you know, live. But We Are The Corrects number two is already a lot of pianos, I play some pianos, I did some backing vocals, harmonies and all that, so we already were open up, okay, yeah. we can do some overdubs, it's okay to do some overdubs, because the songs still work with only the two of us. Oh, yeah. So I think yeah. that's actually, the, and now people are asking, but how are you going to play back in mono life? I mean, we're playing back in mono. <laughs> I think seven, eight songs of the record we are playing live yeah. tonight. And they work, it's the, it, it's the toughest uh, test of the songwriting, if the song is good. Yeah. If the song is good, it works with a guitar playing in the beach. That's the good You know, that's yeah. the song, and here we can always add a pianos yeah. or we yeah. can add the percussion, we can add this and this and this, and this gets, you know, yeah. that's a studio. Yeah, that's a, good that's a studio work. Yeah. We cannot reproduce a studio yeah. work live. That's yeah. that's not gonna happen. No, but no. we just play the songs, and they they sound really good with yeah. drums and guitar too. Any of the girl group bands, I've been seeing it. All these who did the wall of sound with Inspector, no one did this live. No, you know, they had the live set, and you know, they had the studio yeah. set. That's, oh. that's a difference, and you know, and mm. we wanted this uh, massive record there and, uh, because after Phil Spector and Larry Levine. I don't think anyone has succeeded in doing a real wall of sound. Yeah. sound. Yeah. yeah. So, and I think the, we're one of the first who actually uh, yeah. managed to to actually have an authentic yeah. wall of sound. And now having a studio is another freedom we have. Yeah. So I think it was so fun to experiment. Should we do this backing vocal? Should we put a metal drum? Yeah. Should we put yeah. some pianos? What are we can record, you know? So it yeah. really uh, we are okay with overdubs now. So yeah. <laughs> I think that's actually what you can hear in it. I noticed that you recorded it in your own studio. Yeah. It's actually been mixed in Japan. Yeah. I yes. mean, how did that come about? Because you know, where we the Retrosonic podcast, we've got quite a lot links yeah, to Japan. Exactly. And, and it was really interesting to see. But to there see was a, there was at some point I don't remember where it was a top 10, top 15 uh, a list of the best Christmas songs, and we did a Christmas song, Christmas I Can Hardly Wait. And then the only song we heard on the list was uh, uh, a girl called Soleil. There was a song before us on the list, and it was called uh, So we just want to hear one song. Yeah. Yeah.
we were already doing the recordings, but we didn't know anyone who could yeah, mix it. It all started with the Phil Spector stuff, with the yeah. the single, the, the yeah. Christmas single. Like so we wanted to do that, and we tried our best, but it was not actually there. And after we heard Soleil, and the mixes, and it was not we were sounding so good, but it was not. Her. I was literally pissed. I was almost. I think yeah, I was he actually was really, screaming. He was really I was disappointed for weeks. Extremely annoyed because. Fucking Look at this. That's hell. what you want. That's what we want to do. That, that's, that's the, the sound. sound we and she was yeah. a fifteen-year-old girl in Japan yeah. doing that. She's half, I think, half English, half Japanese. Is she? I don't know. I, don't yeah, know. I, I know nothing know. about her. But you know, then I. Um, then I, via, uh, it's called Tokyo's Coolest Sounds, a uh, Japanese music blog. Yeah. Uh, they knew who had mixed, uh, and they had the ca- the contact to Seiki Sato, yeah. who's uh, the, the, the guy who mixed uh, our record there in, in Tokyo. And, uh, and it's a really fantastic, it's a great story. He, he doesn't speak uh, English, and, but he's, he has a really cool assistant, yeah. Yono. Yeah. And, uh, we, we love <laughs> the both. saved us the communication you know, The thing is, they did a really good sound, you know. It's yeah. a massive sound, but you know, it sounded modern. It, it had the massiveness, yeah. but then we have a really nerdy uh, mastering guy in Copenhagen, Valentin. Yeah. So we were sitting with him for two days, really capturing uh, really capturing the sound of you know crystals and shangri-las uh, and all these uh, girl groups and uh, ronettes obviously and uh, trying to get the same tone of the whole stuff and so we ended up uh, with a well I think you've, you've captured it perfectly I mean it's a I great story so and have you got any plans to go to Japan you've never played there before have you oh, we have, now no, we have plans of no go record with Seiki and we would love to and we yeah. just have to know how this uh, you know pandemic is going to develop and of course yeah. it has to make sense it's an expensive trip to Japan so, so now we have a good reason for going to Japan yeah. And, yeah. and we sell a lot of uh, records through our band camp to Japan oh, you're going, I think you go down really well in Japan. Yeah. It's a great garage scene. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Hopefully we, we, we can come with you. Yes, <laughs> oh, please. That would be we'll lovely. be there at the same time. You know. We need yeah. some We need some guidance so yeah. where we should eat and have yeah. some fun. Oh, so we should definitely yeah. hook that up with yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that could be fun. Well, I think the support band's going to start. So yes. I think we're going to yeah. be drowned well, out. We can uh, continue yeah. after if you want. But thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. What a pleasure to talk to you. Good to see you again after all this time. So back in Mono and a fantastic single, Ringo. Yeah, yes. NGO so is out now on Damaged Goods Records, which um, you can sure. hear on our Retrosonic podcast right. very soon. So, uh, pleasure to see you, and we're looking forward to the show. And uh, so much. Let's have take fun. Care. Thanks, Steve. We'll see have you. a beer Thank later. You. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, take care.
Well, hi, this is uh, Steve again. This is uh, part two of our interview with the Corets. Uh, you might have heard part one just then where um, I cornered the band backstage just before their show at the Lexington, a sold-out Lexington in London. Um, and then we were rudely interrupted by the fantastic support band Los Pepes, and, uh, which meant we had to cut our interview short. Then you were playing a show in Brighton at the Prince Albert. Then I found out it was a matinee show. I was probably the only person that was happy about that because it meant I could come and see you again. And so I <laughs> drove down to Brighton and caught the show. And uh, again, we probably thought we were going to have a, a little interview, but you had so many adoring fans and people talking to you and so busy, we didn't have a chance. So now you're back, back in Denmark after a 17-night tour of the UK. And we finally got a chance to have a little sit down and a chat. So... Um, Welcome again, Martin and Flavia from the Corets. Thanks, Thank you. So good to talk to you again cheers. and see you. Yeah, cheers to you as well. So, well, I mean, it was a. It's nice to be able to. You know, in a way, it's good that now you've you you finished the tour, so we can sort of look back on it. And uh, so, tell us how it went. You know, what were your impressions of the the UK in this uh, post lockdown touring madness? You know, how did it go? I think it was definitely one of the best tours with me. Uh, I mean, in our lives. Everything went really good. It was a nightmare in the start, you know, with the preparation of the tour, this uh, uh, all the uh, the Brexit rules with merchandise, for example, and the COVID rules with the, the tests and the passenger locator forms and everything. So the first, the week before, it was actually a hell. And at some point, I was thinking, okay, are we doing the right thing going there? Yeah. Is it gone? Is it gonna work or what? Are we gonna regret that? Or and then I mean, it was I was really impressed how and then oh before that I don't know if you know the flight we were supposed to take from Albo to Copenhagen was delayed one hour, then would miss the you know the the flight to London from Copenhagen, yeah. so we had to buy at a spot six in the morning in the airport another plane ticket so that we could mm. arrive on time and make the Portsmouth show. So apparently it started as a nightmare. And uh, but when we arrived there, everything was done, you know, with the van and the driver and uh, Patrice and, and uh, with the merch, everything was... Um, and then from day first to uh, the day one to the rest of the tour, it all went super well. Yeah, It was really... I mean, Portsmouth was a big reception, sold out. People were so happy. There was a... Uh, stage invasion with people dancing you know it was it was really a special night and we were actually so happy that we made it that yeah. we were so that was a very good show and then it was a collection of, of good shows of packed uh, venues and uh, we were also thinking about that are people afraid to go to shows or are people dying to go to shows <laughs> so I think it was more like the second option people yeah. were very happy to be uh, you know, out again in in the live show. Uh, so I think, I mean, we never had sold out shows in the UK before. So we know we have a good momentum with the new record and uh, great reviews going on. So of course it's, it's a good timing, but uh, I think also that people actually want to go out. It was also turned out to be, instead of being the problem, it actually, it was, yeah. it was actually a plus on the tour. You know, the people oh, were yeah. really, yeah, like really, freaking out to have a rock show so it was really cool that's true because you um yeah it was unusual in this time that you did have quite a few of the the dates were sold out weren't you and you got a fantastic reaction i mean looking looking at social media every day because you were touring 17 nights without a break just straight through from portsmouth up to glasgow and back down again and down to cardiff and you know yorkshire 
you know, you're Newcastle and uh, down at Brighton, Hastings. So <laughs> it was a real... Yeah, all around. <laughs> you know, because you were so busy every day, you know, we were seeing reviews and reports, photos. The reaction was amazing. I, I don't think I've ever known anything like it, where every, yeah, really, yeah. every gig you've got rave reviews and people, you know, on social media, Facebook, yeah. you know, re, uh, all local newspapers, national newspapers. Have been exactly. right. It's been a... It's been a huge success for you, hasn't it? Did you, did you really feel that sort of atmosphere around you? Absolutely, absolutely. And also, first, the reception of the people, the big smiles, and people, for example, were singing the songs. They arrived with the two first albums, and it's okay, don't you? I want to buy Bakimono. Don't you want to buy that? I have this already. So <laughs> that was really cool. And, and I, I totally agree. It was a lot of uh, media in the shows, and people were doing... It was great reviews, all of them, of like the live reviews too. And, uh, and our record has, has been receiving so many reviews that, I mean, we do our social medias. And I can tell you, I have like 20 reviews in the line. Because if we put one every five minutes, then people at some point are going to say, that's boring and not a review. <laughs> so actually, usually I know many bands and sometimes we, I mean, in the middle of the COVID pandemic, we think, okay, what are we going to put in? And we had no content. I mean, we're just here sipping a wine at home uh, with nothing to do. How to create content to social media? Mm. Right now, we have the opposite. It's so many, and people say, oh, you didn't share my review. Oh, you're going to be in the radio today. Uh, can you share this? Can you put it in your media, this and this and that and this, uh, in Spain, in the UK, or in France, and this and this. So actually now, I mean... <laughs> I'm gonna bother you. Uh, I'm gonna bother our followers every five minutes, just putting something. If I do every time, somebody says, "Hey, can you please share this?" I just wrote about you. So I mean, that's totally a luxurious, a luxury problem. <laughs> it's amazing how the record is being well received. I mean, yeah. in, mainly in the UK, but also in Germany and in Spain yeah. and Italy and France. So it's going. It's going really good.
I think it's fantastic the reaction that you've been getting. You know, it's um, especially to the album and, and the live shows. You can sort of understand because you're playing to your to sort of crowd and and the, the venues you've been playing at have been great. But the reaction to the album has just been amazing. I mean, you've got you know classic rock, Viva Rock. You've had all the, the you know good mainstream media, not just blogs like what I do. You've had a lot of mainstream yeah. media attention. You know, Mojo was also a good one, I think. Mojo, yeah. yeah. So it's, I, I totally agree with you, Stephen. For us, you know, I come from Brazil. So, I mean, how many Brazilian bands are there around? You know, not so many. And we can think about Sepultura, maybe. That's so cool because it's so tough, you know, when you come from South America, when you come from Brazil. Yeah. So for me, I mean, I, I put a big price and uh, and we have also to be happy about it. Sometimes we're just so focused working and working and working. But, uh, you know, when we achieve small things and not so small things, we have also to have, you know, the time to enjoy it. Because yeah. I totally agree, yeah, UK is a very hard market. And, uh, and you know, yeah. of course, we have accents. We're not, you know, English native speaker, speakers. So I think it's really cool how you receive us such a, with such a, you know, uh, open arms also in the shows when we talk shit in the microphone <laughs> and maybe we do some some weird english tropical english or or nordic nordic english or whatever but i think, but I think it's a, also first of all it's a big uh, super proud of the the, <clears throat> the reaction from people with the record and we've always always uh Flavia and i like 10,000 kilometers apart we've always been listening a lot to british uh, garage rock and uh, Mm. A lot of it is rock in general. Yeah, exactly. With the, it was we've been uh, raised exactly. with this kind of music, and uh, especially that's why we were so happy finding uh, Damaged Goods, and and uh, even more happy that they weren't wanted to work with us because mm. we've been listening to uh, Damaged Goods releases in the last twenty years. Yeah. yeah. So of course it's a classic big, British band, Kings. Exactly, it has such a big impact in how we we do the songs, how we exactly. play, and uh, so. So it's um, we're not just listening; we've been living this. For, I mean, exactly. since since we were kids, you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's a fantastic yeah. label, you know. I mean, as you know, we know Damaged Goods quite well. My friend Paul Slattery, who does for the blog and the podcast with me, he's a well-known rock photographer, and he's worked with Billy Childish over the years, and knows Ian Ian very well from Damaged Goods. So we and we've done podcasts with Ian, you know. In fact, we had to do two episodes. I think I told you because he he likes to talk, Ian, and he's got lots of stories. So we had to do two episodes with him because we had so much to talk about. Yeah, it's it's, it's one of those things that when we found out you were on Damaged Goods, you know, for, as a fan of Damaged Goods and a fan of Corets, it's just like that's a perfect match. Yes. Cool. Yeah, I, I think absolutely. And glad they, to know. they take such great pride in uh, of the look of the records, of the coloured vinyl, and the presentation, and everything yeah. as well as the sound. And it's just yeah, it's a great match you know and uh yeah and uh, it's a classy label huh? the classy people and uh, fair people and they uh, treat us really well it's uh yeah we're so happy uh, to be a part of it i used to want to like the
and down in Brighton, obviously London as well, but down in Brighton, you had your uh, Ian from Damaged Goods was there, and um, there were a few more people from your sort of um, I don't know what you call it, your support crew, I guess, that uh, helped with the tour. So tell us a little bit about the logistics and who was helping you out on the tour. Yeah. So, I mean, Rupert from PRB, he, uh, he, we start working, that's the first tour we have been working with him. And for me, it was also one of these reasons, I mean, that the tour went so well. In the old days, I used to book myself and, you know, it's always hard to negotiate. I mean, we're musicians and then we have to do logistics and planning and the maps and routing and this and this and negotiating fees, you know. It's a job I don't miss at all, you know. Now we have booking agents all over Europe and we have Rupert in the UK. So it's so good to have somebody to take care of that. And of course, he knows the market and he knows the routing. So he's the right person to do that. So he was also one of the big uh, reasons that the tour went so well. And uh, and then we have, of course, Damaged Goods. As, uh, I mean, they, they've been in the three of the shows and they... They share all the reviews and they work with James from uh, PR Division, Division PR, who is uh, amazing and such a nice guy too. So, and then for driving, you know, we chose to have Patrice, uh, which is a friend, basically. He's the, of course, uh, everybody knows him as the guitar player of the Cannibals. Uh, it started this partnership when we were actually one day with Patrice in London. I don't remember. It wasn't one of our previous two in the UK. And then we needed to go to Nottingham to play with the Pretty Things in a festival. And then he said, why are you going to Nottingham tomorrow? Why don't I drive you guys? He said, oh, we're going to take the train. It's going to suck. No, I'm going to drive you. I'm going to drive you and I'm going to be a roadie. I'll do whatever it takes. I want to see the Pretty Things. I want to see the Crets. And then he went there and then it just works so fine. You know, it works really fine working with Patrice. He's very responsible. He's a great driver. And has a lot of energy to do a crazy tourings like we do many hours in the van and a, and a great company, a good sense of humor. Uh, so so he actually not only drove the car, but he uh, helped us as roadie, as, you know, gave support to the sound engineers because he's also a very good sound engineer himself. He did support bands when the band could not come. So he just stand up with the guitar, you know, <laughs> one man band, support band. And... Uh, and he also, I'm actually, I actually borrowed his guitar and his, his two amplifiers. Oh, so yeah. he was totally the perfect person because we cannot, unfortunately, bring our gear to the UK when we fly. And this is always a problem, you know, when we are, when we are touring uh, with the, when we have to take a plane. Mm. Because we have a big price in our vintage equipment and my amplifier and Martin's drums for 59 <laughs> degrees. And my, mm. So uh, then we have to rent uh, gear and then in some countries we go is like you can you cannot find a vintage drum kit. So yeah. So actually, Martin's drum kit was from Bruce Brand mm. from uh, you know that play with uh, with the head coach and and all these uh, wonderful bands. I think that's the people who actually helped us and uh, and of course we have many friends and uh, Alexandra and Andrew. They gave us, uh, they hosted us in Brighton, for example. Yeah. Which was lovely because we were in hotels all the times, very unpersons. But uh, then we could hang out, put some records on, you know, yeah. have a while with them. So it was, uh, it was a big pleasure. Yeah, I mean, and so that must have been great, Martin, to, to have Bruce Brown lending you his drum kit. I mean, because he's yeah, a- it was uh, so funny because I was just, I was just thinking about what our previous talk there about uh, about the, the British uh, uh, music and, uh, and rock and roll history and stuff, and I was thinking, wow, perhaps this was 
was even the instruments helping us playing well, you know, because you really played well. Uh, we chose 17, rightly, uh, the instruments, yeah. Some uh, hippie talk about it, but uh, there's something about it because we found out that the guitar we, we borrowed from Patrice's Patrice guitar, is, came from uh, the milkshakes, you know, so... Oh. It's like it, so the, the drums from the head coach and coaches and uh, well, he bought it yeah from them. I wonder how many good records we've been listening to with yeah. Bruce on, on this Rogers drums and milkshake stuff with the guitar there. You know, I think it's and then we somehow... met Calvin. Calvin, so actually owned the drums before Bruce, wasn't it? So the the drums. So funny, was... and then the guy said, that, "That was my drum. Let me see." So it's been <laughs> it's been with the Kaisers. Oh yeah, and then. Bruce got it from, uh, I don't know, George or what his name is from Kel Kelvin. Wow, what a, what a music history it's been. Uh, yeah. It's a, been a big pleasure play, playing yeah. with this kid. Uh, so it was not our really but good. it re really sounded really good and we felt yeah. very comfortable because. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was it's fantastic. I mean, I think yeah, especially your, the guitar and the drum—they just looked amazing as well. You know, and they sounded great. Yeah, yeah, that's also part of the I mean, I was a little bit disappointed, I must admit, because I thought you were going to come over in your Corette's mobile, your... <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> your customised tour van, you know. Yeah. That's right, vans for bands. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Brand uh, new van. we love touring in the bus, but you know, it's first of all, it's uh, it drives 90 kilometres per hour, which is like, I don't know, what, so that, what's that, 60, miles? 60 miles per yeah. hour or something. Yeah, like nothing. It's top speed is yeah, ninety kilometers per hour. Anyway. Drinks a lot of gasoline. And then you know it, it drives like a Cadillac, so it does like <laughs> six kilometer, six kilometers per liter. It's it's an absurd. And we usually life. do Denmark and the North yeah. Germany right now. We oh, yeah. went to yeah. Sweden and we went to Holland one day. I oh, think that right. was the, the farthest and was in the winter. Big mm. snow back in the bus. <laughs> it was crazy. I mean, we locked the bus, and uh, you were invited to come here in Denmark one day. Yeah, yeah. And then we arrived yes. in the style with the correct mobile with all right. that. Yeah, but, uh, I, I love it. I mean, if anyone, if anyone hasn't seen the Corets mobile, then just please look at so the band's website, social yeah. media. It's, it's, free, yeah. it's a star in its own right. You know, it's it's a it's a wonderful bit of kit. You know, and. Uh, and yeah. oh, we always go to Hamburg with it too. Looking back on on the, the UK tour, I know it's difficult because you had so many great great shows, and it is difficult to pick out. It's not fair to choose, <laughs> but I'm going to ask you to choose a couple. So, were there any real sort of standout nights or venues or places that were really special? You know, I know it's easy to say all of them, but were there any that really yeah, stood out? Portsmouth, Portsmouth uh, really the first good. show there, with the, we arrived there super stressed. And, uh, yeah, because of the situation. After a horrible trip, we had to pay this insanely expensive 
uh, plane tickets there extra, in the stress in the morning. Extra. It was like 800 pounds extra. And not knowing no. if the merch had arrived. No, no, it was such a stress, you know. With the, yeah. And then we came there and it was just packed and it was, which was such a good mood. And, uh, I so, think it was the best you know, show. This was definitely a highlight. I liked very much we arrived. I don't even know the, the city. We played with a very good band the morning after. Was a very oh, good yeah. scary, band. It was and, Sheffield. Uh, Sheffield was all you know. This also it was good band. They were great, and, uh, and it, but it also stands out very much because we lost the car key that night. <laughs> Patrice had had <laughs> Patrice had lost the keys somewhere, you know. Patrice and then we suddenly, the then the suddenly, suddenly the, the, the whole uh, Flavia was selling merch, so we didn't want to disturb her. So, but suddenly. We, <laughs> more and more panic because we only had that one key yeah and suddenly in the ending we had bouncers we had fans we had the whole venue searching for keys for the either <laughs> backstage every everywhere even the in the if there was even a guy from the the venue with a magnet inside the sewer trying to <laughs> if he we had lost it there it's like madness so then after like several hours of searching and more and more stress no, then then we, comes then, a guy in the merch table and says, Flavia, I have a van company if you have another, if you need another van. Yeah. And I said, man, what you talking about? No, because you lost your key, isn't it? No, everybody's looking for the key. And I said, what? And then I saw bouncing around, everybody around. I said, what? No, no, the key's with me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. But we had just put the Fucking key in hell. the middle. I mean, we were very late. We, yeah. we, we got 10 hours drive. Because I'm some lorry who put oil in the uh, 25 and we were just like a drive that should be five hours. It was like 10 hours drive. And then we arrived just in the time that to see morning after put all the gear at play, no soundtrack, no anything. And then Patrice just put the, the keys in the middle of the scene. And I thought it was weird. And I said, it in stage. And I say, wait, this is kind of weird. I'm going to keep it here with me. But I forgot to let him know because we don't know it's that five minutes woman. So actually, I just kept the key safe, but I forgot to inform Also, you know, uh, Lexington, Lexington for sure sold out was yeah, really was, massive, was really, really massive cool. for us. You know, it was because we didn't know what to expect. And no, then, it was a Tuesday. Yeah, it was a Tuesday, and we have to remember it's in a pandemic still. You know, it's uh, we, we were worried about this too because, of course, you know, when you tour in France, you want to do good in Paris, and when you tour in the UK, you want to do good in London. And we got a Tuesday, and we were like, 
what's going to happen. And mm. so we mm. were a little afraid that people, you know, not be enough people and this and this. And it was just an amazing night. From yeah. the start yeah. to everything worked fine. A lot of people came. It was sold out. Los Pepes was a great band playing, you know, before yeah. us. Great mood, great guys, great music. So, I mean, it all worked out so fine. And seeing you and uh, and uh, Stephen there recording. And so I think I think it was uh, such a, I mean, we saw so many friends. And, and the line to the merch was, was, I think I was there for two hours. When I was finally finished with the merch, everybody was, I mean, home. I could yeah. even not drink. I mean, we drink with the... Uh, with Tina and Simon, uh, but yeah, I mean, everybody them. was already out because I took like it was two hours selling merch nonstop. Yeah, because I mean, they, they, I was trying to see you, and then the merch queue was so long, and there was people coming up saying, "We're going to miss our last train," and because I had, yeah. to get, I had to get, I had to get my train home as well, so I had to. Oh no! Yeah. Oh yeah. But, I, I, yeah I mean, I know, I know. I haven't seen for ages there that I would like to hang out. It was just like not possible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you had DJ Adam. He uh, was Adam Diddy great dj music a lot of people there like i said there was oh gunquit was there you had fabian del sol was there you know there was um dj the jawa jones was there so you had a you had a lot of um musicians and and cool people there to see you yeah Um, exactly i know martin when when you came off stage we were talking when you came off you were a little bit concerned about the reaction of the london crowd you know but i mean it was a sold out show at the lexington on the on the tuesday night um, yeah. the reaction from people i was standing at the side of the stage and you could see people were really into it so yeah. um, all the faces and, yeah. and the clap, clapping was really good. yeah that's good to know it's uh but i i mean for example we rather but it, it's so for us we when people just freak out and dance it's somewhat much an obvious response we, when we like something, we go like, yeah, but that's just the way we are, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. But if people were um, a little wilder, we would have been a little wilder too, and then it would be a little more fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. But you know, but this was also a show we were actually nervous to do. Uh, yeah, 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 to remember yeah, this yeah, too, yeah. yeah, we were also a little nervous, I, I think, because we wanted, had to be, had we to wanted be the things. Yeah. I mean, so, for things. example, the Portsmouth show, it was like, like whatever, because I mean, we're here, we're so happy that we actually We were just happy time. we we even so whatever. So, so it was. I don't know when you get this kind of mood, like to say, okay, anything goes. Then it's usually is a very good fit yeah. for making a show, you know. But I think also mono in Glasgow was really. I mean, yeah. uh, uh, Edinburgh the day before was also sold out uh, show. Rooms, it was, yeah. it was also yeah. very cool. It was, it was it really was good. Really it was really good uh, mood and uh, response. Yeah, response. Yeah, exactly. It was not even a favorite venue, but the night was really cool. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and I have to say, Manchester was amazing. Night and day. Night and day. Remember. Thank you. Yeah. Manchester that was, was awesome. packed. Super Jay cool was venue. really cool. The there, promoter yeah. Jay was such yeah. a nice guy. He took so good care of us. Mm-hmm. And the people was an ocean of smiley faces. Yeah, Everybody was like this. <laughs> it was really cool, really cool. And uh, somebody took great pictures of the show. Mm, and yeah. people were really with us all the time, which is something they were like totally, totally connected. Yeah. It was really cool, all this. And, and also what I tried was very special about Manchester because we see normal our audience is like 40 plus, mm. sometimes even 50 plus, and we are the youngest in the... In the everything but but it, it, and i love it i mean that's our that's our people but yeah. in manchester it was half half we mm. saw kids 18 20 years old maybe freaking out and doing our normal crowd you know so i think it was uh, it's a very good mix 
Yeah. When uh, when you're not just playing to your own bubble of people, but that yeah. you actually can reach different people, and uh, it was really nice. The girls were buying merch, and uh, after so it was uh, it was really cool. And also the Clooney was great. That's Newcastle. Newcastle, yeah. The Clooney we played once in the because Clooney is funny two years ago or three years ago. I don't know when we're we played in the in the little cafe. Clooney, yeah, that was. And now so we were uh, upgraded. And uh, it was really packed, and it was, was Monday really night. Yeah, that was wow. really good. I think it was 20 tickets to sell out, something like that. It was really yeah. good with the audience for Monday. Yeah. I remember Patrice telling me, I'm having a, I'm, a, I'm lost with the days. Are you sure this is not a Friday night? Because it was really cool with <laughs> that it. That was really awesome. Yeah. yeah, and it was a great show, a great sounding. The sound guy was really yeah, good. It was really good. And the people was just, yeah, freaking out. Nice support band, the Continental Fields. Yeah. Nice people, true. yeah. So it was a very, I think, I think maybe we should say London, Portsmouth, uh, uh, Just uh, set all the venues. Mono, almost. Glasgow, no, Mono and uh, and the Voodoo Rooms. Yeah. And then yeah. Manchester and then uh, Newcastle, Clooney and Brighton because it was this, are we going to make to Brighton at all? Yeah. Brighton yeah. was a suspense because yeah. it was uh, it was a horrible drive and there was a fog and rain and dark and we left at six in the morning. At some point, Patrice said, I cannot drive anymore. Yeah. I want to keep you safe. I'm not okay to drive. I'm going to sleep half an hour. We did sleep half an hour. Then we arrived there after showtime. I mean, then we lose the sound check and the sound guy was, yeah, kind of tough. The first, I mean, for for him and for us, the first two songs were kind of a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. eventually, eventually it worked out. We were like, okay, what are we going to do? We have to, I don't know. Matinee show, of course, not the more optimal. We're not in the top of the energy because in the tour you have the top of the energy in the nighttime, and then uh, in the daytime you're just in the van like this. And so it actually just got the opposite. We had to be top of energy at two o'clock in the afternoon, and uh, yeah, well, that, that we was amazing. Boy, we're make it. Yeah, well, I mean, like I well, like we mentioned earlier, again, that it was an afternoon show, matinee show, which was unusual, but um, yeah. I don't know how you did it because obviously the venue's closed off. You can't see the daylight and you managed to sort of raise the energy again and get everybody into it. And you got a great reaction again for an afternoon where, you know, it is difficult to, to rise yourself, but it is It's really cool. We met uh, two young kids there. It was, uh, they said, uh, wow, we've only seen this here. This crowd reaction we've only seen twice was, was uh, us and the, the hives. Yeah, it was really nice. It was, Ooh, we liked the hives. I said, wow, doing this in an afternoon, this is really, really good shit. Yeah, and it should be in the evening. I think it was some kind of double booking. So, Well, it was it was good. In, I mean, in a way, it was a shame that you, you couldn't, you had, you had a Saturday night in Brighton, which is obviously, as you well know, is a, is a really great rock and roll town. And, and if you had a night time in Brighton, a Saturday night in Brighton, I think you would have been through the roof. I think you would have had to get a bigger venue. It was a great crowd, you know. It was um, some lovely people there to sort of uh, uh, to catch That's up. Really and, nice um, but sometimes this, uh, when you are fighting against odds, uh, uh, makes us even more proud. This uh, this turning a like afternoon show yeah. turn this around to uh, a nighttime feeling. It yeah. really makes us proud, you know, because then we really manage managing to do a good show and a, a good concert, huh? It's a it's a it's a hard thing to to turn everything around yeah. that so people think it's Horrible actually nighttime. Drive and, uh, yeah. So uh, these uh, these things there uh, actually just makes us more proud that it's uh, afternoon, it's sold out, and it actually mm -hmm. feels like nighttime. Yeah.
I'm, I'm so pleased for you that it went well, you know, because it is a difficult time. And um, so I'm glad it was a success and that you, you stuck it to the Brexit lovers. <laughs> and exactly. Bored, I, said, know, was, I said that in some shows as a joke, but it's only that, you know, there was no COVID, there was no Brexit that could keep Correttes away from the UK. <laughs> so, I mean... It was, I think, I think that was, that's the feeling, exactly. I mean, everybody we meet in the UK is against Brexit. Yeah. I mean, it's between just, other stuff. I mean, it's just bad also for the English fans to tour in Europe. And yeah. it's just, I mean, it's just a pain in the ass for our friends from Europe who live there. And No, it's, it's, it's great that the tour went well. And I, I said, it's, um, I'm so pleased for you <laughs> that it, went, it was worth your while, 17 nights. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, but but also for us, we were we, we, we were not sure this was going to happen at all. You know, when, when we were booking this with Rupert there months ago, we said, oh, sure, it's going to be just cancelled at some point. And then it's going to be another wave of COVID and it's going to be just cancelled. So when it actually happened, we were like, wow, this is actually really happening. And that it happened and that it went super good. And I can say maybe it was the best tour I did. Uh, yeah, I've been so. touring since I'm 23. Oh right, yeah. And I did a lot of tours. Yeah. And I don't, I don't see any tour going so good uh, like this one with audience and reviews, as you said, amazing pictures and uh, sell of merch and uh, good fees. You know, coming home with the uh, with money, not just go there and I <laughs> come back with a zero or a little plus than a zero. You know. Yeah. So it was uh, good in so many ways and making new friends, seeing old friends. And uh, it was really cool. And beautiful cities like Edinburgh and all these uh, beautiful uh, views. And I've never, I don't think we ever traveled so long in the UK. It's such a beautiful country. Well, I'm I surprised mean, you found time to see any of anything of the cities. You know? I mean, just through the I was just thinking this week, Steve, we didn't see anything. No, we didn't see anything. We didn't have time. I'm in London. I, used, I, I like to go shopping in London, just, you know, go we around, buy records. We, we didn't see anything, had no yeah. time. For, but through the window in the van, it was just so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We want a day off. I don't time. want a day off. But yeah, they yeah. Want you want to see stuff too. Yeah. Well, hopefully you can come back on a, on a holiday or a, li- a less stressful tour, you know, a few few dates, uh, a few selected exactly. dates and a few days off and come exactly. over. Yeah. Ah, but now we're much more prepared for next time of uh, exactly of logistics. Brexit and uh, working now it's yeah. It's not, everything it's not impossible for a European band to tour after Brexit. Now, now we found this out, you know, it's harder, but yeah. it's not impossible. So we learned the highway and uh, <laughs> we learned by doing that the highway was hard, but uh, we did it. So we learned by doing, so it's going to be easier. Well, yeah, definitely. Well, let, let's hope that it uh, leads to, to more, uh, more tours from, from yourself and other great foreign bands coming over, not to be scared of, of Brexit, that there no, is no, no, an no, audience no. waiting for you here. Go yeah. for it, bands. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Don't yeah. be afraid. Just yeah. going back to your van, we mentioned the van and touring and that, and I, I, I've got a, I had a few questions that I was going to talk to you about earlier. Okay, um, sure. Now, the, the van is fantastic. You know, it's, it's part of your... I mean, you, you've got this wonderful... Can I call it an, an image, a look? You know, you've got such a, a style, you know, you, as a band. I, I love what you do because you, you, the way you present yourself, not just on stage, but off stage with your... for the van... The merchandise, the the record sleeves, they're, they're, it's fantastic, and it's so nice to see a band that's got this so much attention to, to detail in how they present themselves and their the whole look of the corets. Who designs everything? You use it something that you keep a tight control on. Uh, I design everything, but but how we look, what our instruments are, how we live, how our house looks—it's it's just uh, the way it is. It's all 
you can even see it here in the back you know it's this is just an office and but uh, you know it's still it's so we don't think about it it's not not a it's not a persona it's how we live and uh, we live like this uh, we think the bus looks super cool it's a yeah. this is what we love so we we wanted that kind of car you know and uh, we made it trashy on purpose to 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 make it uh, having this red rock look it's called at the Wait, we like how it's, it gets rusty. We like how it gets a uh, uh, looks worn out. It's a it's a and it, it's also with the record sleeves and designs. And uh, we we like uh, yeah, but Martin is the one, is, is like the it, one so. doing all the mm-hmm. all the graphics, and we like also Space Age design and op arts, black and white, and yeah. uh, graphics and all that. So it's good that Martin is a, a designer. He can. Uh, I mean, I, I love this, but I could never do uh, artwork with that because I don't know how, how it's done. Mm. So it's very easy because then we, we can keep everything as, you know, with a very coherent statics to yeah. everything. The music sounds like, as it, it looks as it sounds and it sounds like it looks. Mm. So the records just sounds exactly like they look. So yeah. I think that's, uh, that's, if we had to, you know, explain to a third person we wanted this and this and this, that would be kind of, how to communicate yeah yeah but martin just knows how we want it because i mean we we're living this for years yeah that's how we are yeah it's just it's just a great everything looks so stylish and uh, and wonderful i really love the fact that it is that you just the way the the way you present yourselves and that it's it's nice to see a band that's got that belief in what they're doing you know and um it just everything looks wonderful i mean the record especially with with damaged goods re-releasing your first two albums on colored vinyl and and looking at them in on the vinyl the 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 sleeve art is wonderful the packaging the attention to detail and i like the way that i mentioned in my review of of back in mono that you you've shifted it a little bit because you've done that little tribute to the ronettes on the cover so you've shifted the color scheme a little bit to match the presenting the fabulous ronettes and that and it's really a, a nice bit of humor as well which takes that twists your image but it, it and it gives it a nice bit of humor because you know we we spoke in the part one of the interview about the wall of sound that you're trying to emulate i think it's really clever and i, I think the design is, is is wonderful on that you know it's uh, thank you that's really cool it's um yeah we we love this uh we we're big fans of ronettes and we're big fans of uh, uh, phil Spector's work and larry levine's work and uh and we also want to uh back in mono of course it's a uh, it's a, a big homage to to back to mono. It's a, to yeah. things we like. To so things we like, we and love, um, yeah. so just came. Uh, so this music style that we love, and uh, so, so we also wanted to to uh, to keep the aesthetics uh, like similar recordings, and uh, but we also wanted to okay. We also have to show we're gonna go much more the girl group way, and uh, mm. we want to do this. We wanted to be like. Uh, a modern band going to Phil Spector to to record, you know. And, uh, mm. This we also want to show with with the artworks. Yeah, and I think it, it works really well. You know, it's it's really striking image. And and again, credit to Damaged Goods for the, the way they packaged it and yeah. promoting it. It just yes. it looks looks amazing, you know. And um, so I recommend everybody getting hold of all the three albums. So you've got the first two albums released on vinyl, coloured vinyl. You've got. Yes. Back in Mono released as well now, and you've got the compilation CD of the first two albums together. So check out your Bandcamp site or Damage Goods Records and um, all the lovely merchandise that you've got. And I, I'm ashamed, I remember, Martin, you, you even had like stick-on sideburns as part of your merchandise. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is a... That's sold out. This is a... <laughs> I love doing merchandising. I think it's extremely funny. I think it's funny to do uh, 
weird stuff. We I have. That's our. That's the prototype. The last remaining one. We sold all of them. Yeah. Oh wow! The coolest. In, in the UK tour, there was uh, around three people who said, "Don't you have the voodoo dolls anymore?" <laughs> so, because when we released the voodoo dolls single, then that came together with that. So. Oh wow! Cool. Oh, that's fantastic. We're looking now at the. Wow, that is amazing. Yeah. So we got some great examples of merchandise. Yeah, uh, we did skeletons. We this did, we cannot uh, bring to the UK. We did so many things of, uh, of fun things. And, uh, yeah, you got your guitar picks and um, everything. Picks, right. But you know, we also we <laughs> also we also uh, a band who can actually do. We don't have boundaries. We don't have. For example, if you were in the Coldplay band, you don't, you cannot make weird sideburns merchandise. <laughs> you know? so you can, there's so many things you cannot do. You can do a t-shirt, you can do a, yeah. a, a, a mock coffee mark or whatever. It's a, it's a cap, a boring thing. You have things. to have humor to make sideburns. And to, um, we like this, we like that. Now we're just making uh, Flavia Curry uh, lipsticks, for example. <laughs> you know, so it's a... We have so many cool options. I enjoy very much finding obscure merchandise on the internet. And I love looking at uh, old Elvis merchandise or uh, the Beatles merchandise. You know, when there was the Beatles Museum in Hamburg, I was there all the time when I played there and before it closed. And they had the Beatles stockings. Yeah. Because, yeah, all the memorabilia of Beatles and the merchandise was so interesting to see. They didn't do only t-shirts. They you could get Beatles hair, yeah, you know. Bricks. Yeah, it was really. Do you know there's exist, uh, existing uh, three uh, the correct beehives? Oh really? Yeah. Beehive wigs. Okay. You know, okay. around, around uh, in the world, we made three. Exactly, yeah. We, three, yeah. we are making a, a video once. We never used the wigs there. No. But that was the idea to use them, but uh, it's such a fabulous one yourself, so you didn't have to. Then we sold them as a. So it's, I think there's like three existing beehive uh, wigs. Yeah. I love doing all these uh, things there. We did coloring books oh, the uh, from books. kids. Yeah. And, uh, Lena has one, so that's the so last many, one. Uh, so many cool things. So there's no, uh, we have fun doing We this. even made the, the, when we released the Christmas single, so we did Build Your Own snow, uh, Snowman. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 have you seen this wow that's that's it's a one box of, with some uh, fake snow you know, and it's, uh, maybe i have some here I mean, this is actually one of my proudest moments of making a merchandise and you know no one thought it was funny no one bought yeah, the stuff we never sold out we never we never sold them in a, and we have the jingle bells have you own built your own christmas jingle bells oh wow yeah, yeah. Now it's Christmas, now Christmas again. <laughs> We're going to try something again. You make your own. Uh, now it's Christmas again. Let's try again. Build your own Build your snowman, snowman action figure. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just snow inside, plastic snow inside. Well, I wish we had a video. I wish we were doing a video podcast. <laughs> this is, uh, this is for me, this is the highlight of merchandise right here. I mean, that, that is... No one, like, no one thought it was no, funny. People come, they think it's super funny. They're like, yeah. <laughs> put it back. Can I have the record? Yeah. Oh, the t-shirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So where can people buy all this wonderful merchandise then? How can we get hold of it? Uh, it's, it's, all this is long gone. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. but they only make like two of them. So, yeah. But I mean, if we find another record player, we're going to do one more. <laughs> then we'll let you know. <laughs> 
Fantastic. Well, check out um, the Corets website, everybody, for their amazing array of merchandise, uh, all shapes and sizes, and uh, wonderful imagination and humour. And uh, (laughs) it definitely beats the tour T-shirt, doesn't it? You know, you've got some wonderful ideas there. Uh, Let's go back to the very beginning of the Corets. What was the first song that you wrote together that you, you know, you really felt you had something? You know, was it? What was this? I want to be a Ono. There's one where we really do garage. It's a really garage song. And uh, we just had a fun day in the studio. And uh, I remember, wow. It was just the first time we went to the studio. was wow. Yeah. Bloody hell. Now, we're, really now there's something here. It's, yeah. uh, and then we played at a, at a festival, like a party festival at some friends. And people yeah, also we, said, wow. Yeah, we only had two songs. We played, we played two, two songs. songs. And we had two songs. Oh, we got remarried there or something. Yeah, it? it was a marriage. Yeah. Uh, mm. You had a wedding, your wedding my dress, my wedding on. dress. special. But I think it's I've been walking the first song I wrote for Grits because yeah. it talks about jet lag. For example, I've been trying my days to seize, but I've been awakening with the lesson beings and and traveling through a million seas yeah. for a thousand years. It was all these hours in the plane, you know, and arriving in Denmark with a jet lag, sleeping late, and all. Yeah. So it's uh, it's a it's about our story. Well, we can hear we can hear a little as you um, have different opinions there on your on, yeah. on the sort of request. Well, well, we can hear both of them. We will have a little medley of um, "I've Been Walking" and "I Want to Be Your Yoko Ono." Good, sounds
you tend to have a split between? Do you, do you tend, Martin? Do you tend to like more of the garage songs and Clavier likes more of the, the poppy side of things, or do you? No, not, not uh, anymore. anymore. Not anymore. Now he's the pop one, and I said, uh, I'm, 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 a, I'm a, You know, it's very hard to write mm. a good pop song. Mm. Extremely difficult to to make a good pop. So this is when all garage heads and the, because all garage heads and stuff, garage punks. They also like all the girl group uh, songs of the 60s. Mm. They like grew up of the 50s and all this stuff. They, uh, and, uh, and all the bands we love, Beatles, King, Stones, uh, 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 Shadows Night, everyone has good pop songs. Mm. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, everyone was striking to make really good pop. Yeah. Uh, even the hardcore like Thor's Hammer and from uh, what is that, Iceland and uh, uh, all these uh, obscure uh, stuff they they all try to get I don't know if they're trying to get a hit but they ex- they really wanted to make good pop songs yeah do yeah. you love me exactly. do you love yeah, me? yeah yeah we yeah. like this kind of catchy stuff you know yeah. so but for example I think the boy I love it's a super garage it's super with fuss and a super dirty I always wanted to try to blend this uh, sound but with some good melodies that you can actually remember because sometimes I go to some garage band shows I don't remember any of the songs after no Let's just say I've never heard the Corets before. Is there is there a song now you've got to your third album? Is there a song that you think captures the very essence of what you've been trying trying to achieve as a Corets? Is you know is there is there a song that you think has come close? Have you have you managed to capture what you're all about so far? The, 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 yes, uh, I can hardly wait. I think is on the the back and mono is uh, at least for for that record. I think is it's what captures uh, really essence of the. Of the whole album there but the, the whole back and mon represents what we wanted let's play i can hardly wait okay yes. cool. i'm cool with that because for me this as a fan i think this to me sums up everything that's great about the corets you might not agree with me i agree on this but i can agree too yeah. i think it's a good song it's a great yeah well let's song. play one of the, the first songs we write the whole process of making back in one exactly that song. Oh, that was the first that started everything and my it was, i remember clearly how my father was dying of cancer there was extremely the song came easy but it was extremely hard to do it mm. So, so it was, and it's, it was, it's not a love song like a boy and girl. It's actually, we're talking about our son when we are yeah, doing time, I can hardly yeah. wait to see you, you know. Yeah. So it's, uh, people think it's just a girl and boy, teenage love. And, and then most of the songs are not at all. No, not at all. 
Yeah. Uh, all of the songs is a is a love and love uh, love loss and hate album. Yeah. It's a, yeah the uh, cigarette song is <laughs> kicking the <laughs> kicking cigarette addiction. So it's there are many themes we talk oh, about. Perhaps it's not. Maybe it's we, just a love song. <laughs> who knows what it's about? Yeah. Well, let's let's play. I can hardly wait. My Too much, you know. No need to feel alone. Cause now I'm coming home. On the road, I wonder why. We had some problems and much fun, fun, fun. No Too late to say I'm sorry means has a very special uh, place in uh, my heart and uh, mm-hmm. hey boy I know it has a very uh, special place in your heart and uh, and it, it was wrote songs about the songs sound very poppy and love songs but it's a lot about the people we lost in this uh, last year you know what we did there father, of the, uh, my father close friends what we did there in the whole family. songwriting stuff was listening to a lot of Brad Burns and uh, Uh, he was actually very he was a very big inspiration of uh, how to make songs how to make the about hard uh, things that making making everything sound like it's a teenage uh, tragedy yeah it could be take a little piece of my heart but all, all these kind of things there uh, had a deeper meaning they was talking because about he was talking about yeah. he was talking about he was actually writing so it's a teenage girl heartbreak whatever but it was actually uh, his own heart uh, disease where his heart kept growing growing and he, he knew, knew he was gonna he knew he was going to die of this mm. uh, in a in a young age so it was all these different meanings and this is what we've been doing very much yeah uh, too late to say I'm sorry and hey boy this hey boy was the... about uh, Flavia's loss of her father and uh, and too late to say I'm sorry is uh, losing my father to cancer and uh, so this was really uh, And I'm really extremely proud. I'm yeah. sad yeah, some people yeah. don't get, yeah, we, don't we, read the lyrics because you can actually. Some people say, "Yeah, but you only <clears throat> talk about love stories and all that." Mm. You know, we think. <laughs> but you don't. If you, if you have a little knowledge of us and you read the lyrics, then you're gonna actually gonna find all the deeper meanings. <laughs> Oh, so 
one more final question to end on. The Corets Rock and Roll High School. Tell us about what this is, please. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's how, a... how we rehearse for the choice. <laughs> this is a, it has many aspects. Uh, first of all, we are out in uh, schools showing kids that there's more than them. What many parents, they listen, the parents family. mainstream listen to it like a shit radio. radios or shit Spotify or they we show them wow there's much more to the world than a. It's than, a very a cool project. Ed Sheeran. Uh, it's a very cool project where they invite bands from Denmark and then we were invited in the middle of the pandemic and they say hey correct do you want to play thirty concerts <laughs> in this. <laughs> really? Yeah, we had no concerts at all. It was in the middle of the pandemic and we said, yeah, hell yeah, where? And uh, and it's a great karma because yeah. you're actually making a big service to these kids and to society as a whole to show them that there's other stuff around. And the reaction of those kids is amazing. Some schools were just like, we were looking at each other and saying, that's the best job ever, you know, yeah. because they start like this and then they start like, yeah, digging it. And then we tell, okay, do your teachers tell you that you have to sit and be quiet? Yeah, a lot. <laughs> but not in a rock show. You can stand up. You can be yourself. You can never, never, it was almost a riot in some schools, you know. The kids were dancing in the tables. They were dancing in front of us. They, it was really cool, really cool, the reaction. And this primitive punk rock yeah. feeling that it can just like, just, sometimes we just play the first quarter they're like yeah I mean children yeah. can just you know get it right away yeah. so it was a, a little revolution we've been doing yeah. here in the summer but also they say yeah. during a pandemic it came like uh, we're not at all Christian or spiritual or whatever but it came like heaven heaven sent it was totally gifts yeah. because One suddenly suddenly we could get uh, yeah. six months pay for uh, 30 concerts for three you know, weeks yeah you know yeah. for three weeks work we could suddenly wow it just came like like the biggest gift mm. there from one and a half years of misery with no no money mm. and suddenly it came and it came such a good time also we could totally be uh, getting back to shape before this massive tour in UK <laughs> and because without the school we tour we were doing two or three concerts we a day. would not have been able to do 17 shows no. because we are knackered now yeah we're ex exhausted yeah and without this we would be we would out be shape passed out air. you know we would we wouldn't be able to in the in the in the Corvettes Rock and Roll High School sometimes we're doing three concerts a day yeah. and oh, the right. concerts started around I mean it's school time yeah so maybe, sometimes maybe we got eight eight in the morning that's why we did two o'clock in Brighton that's easy yeah. <laughs> now I I didn't got the connection at all what sort of age group were the kids you were playing to I think they're from nine to twelve that's yeah. Yeah, nine to twelve, eight to twelve years old, three teams, and yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that sounds amazing. What, what, a, what a, it must have been so rewarding for you to do that, you know. And uh, what a great idea. And um, is it government-sponsored scheme or is it a local council? So it's, uh, it's, so, it's yeah. government, government uh, project. They've uh, been around for twenty years. This project, we never yeah. heard about it. So, mm. and I hope we come back. They, I think we're going to be invited again next year. So it's going to be great. Fantastic. And it, it's a, it, I mean, it's a revolution. It's totally a revolution what they're doing to show these kids some uh, opportunities to see different kinds of music. But imagine this also, I was thinking, and we talked so much about in our car trips home, you know, 
Imagine when we were the Flavia and I were the misfits in the in our schools back then when we were kids. There were fucking no garage bands coming to yeah. instead of we had to do this shit math and uh, whatever. No, <laughs> uh, uh, no, no cool bands came to play at my school. That's for sure. But that's exactly the. Yeah. Age imagine this, then, then suddenly it comes a garage group. We don't look like their parents. You know, we play loud garage music. We're just different. And what a revelation for so many kids seeing wow. When it's like when you saw Ramones for the first time yeah. in the age of what twelve? I was twelve too. Yeah. You found out wow, there's more people like me here in Rio, and it's a, it's a, it can really change some of these kids' lives, you know. Because yeah. I think nine to twelve is when everybody discovers rock and roll or discover yeah. music and what you want. It's such an important phase of your life. Uh, then you're just creating your identity and all that. So I mean, we we had this that people came. Okay, I'm gonna ask her. My parents' Christmas gift is gonna be a drum, so it's gonna be a guitar. So they, so they, they were so like, wow, this is so cool. Or oh, we got some people from the special class coming to us. So it was this rock girl yeah. playing guitar and said, oh, it's so cool. I'm the only one playing guitar in my school. And those are the little misfits. They identify with us and they felt like represented. So I mean, it was it was such a such a good exchange with them. Uh, And if you can open up a little bit the world, you know, the, the horizons a little bit uh, with the show, then it's mission accomplished. You know? But also this, for example, just as a, on a personal note, for we did very many, many places. We, we could even, uh, many times we could see this, uh, a lot of students and pupils in there. And then there was like one kid with blue hair, for example, totally, totally the misfit of the school. And all the time, every time we saw, we, we said, hey, you with blue hair, you look cool. Then we carried on, and it was like giving these kids there just a just a little. Uh, wow, everyone in the school uh, was looking at them, saying, "Wow, yeah, you're fucking cool." Yeah. It was yeah. such a, a such a reward also for us, and uh, yeah. seeing this pride in the in the kids there, they were different, and they were being praised to be different. Yeah, it was. Really this good. was for me uh, one of the biggest joys of the whole tour: this finding the misfits, uh, making a what are called a fist bomb after saying, "Hey." Keep uh, <laughs> keep looking cool. Keep staying weird. Yeah. Yeah. This is, you're gonna do great. Yeah. It's uh, a yeah, we such met many a, many cool kids too. Yeah, yeah. It was a, we were very. I mean, I think we're gonna remember that for a long time. This too, it was very rewarding in so many senses. Yeah. Well, it sounds fantastic, you know. And um, I yeah. wish I was there in the in the class, you know. <laughs> I wish I was. I wish I was. Uh, I wish I was too when yeah, I was a kid. Too. Yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. Yeah, what a revelation! But it's funny because when we put this uh, tour in the internet, somebody told me, some English person commented something like, "That's so cool." When I was in the school, in primary school, the Resilus made a show in my school. <laughs> oh right. <laughs> yeah, I think it was a great comment. I was like, "Wow, that's kind of cool." Excellent. So yeah, so that's not the first time this happens, yeah. but it was the first time for us, and it was great. Well, let's hope there's going to be uh, more Quetz Rock and Roll High Schools in the future. Yeah, Maybe you can come over here and teach our kids about decent music, you know. Yeah, wow. Uh, an 17-day tour of the UK. Oh, no, that's 30 <laughs> days seven, in the school, 17 days. shows and then in the matinee in the afternoon. No, no, no. 17 days for the grown-ups and 30 days for the kids. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, imagine how tired we are now. Yeah. Love you, yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Wonderful. Yeah. 
thanks so much for talking to me today. You know, it's been great hey, to we speak. can keep on going, man. We have Thank stories you, for the next uh, next we can make a damage goods double double episode here, like uh, Ian there. Yeah, I mean we've well we've got a lot to talk about. Um, but don't forget, check out retromanblog.com um, for my recent feature on on the album and the Lexington show. And, uh, and there's also a transcript of the interview we did backstage, which uh, you'll also hear in this podcast. Let's play out then on a Corette song. One yes. If you're going to release another single off the album. We are. We are. And we got the chest presence in the tour. Oh. <laughs> and we're allowed, are we allowed to know what it is? Yeah, we yes, do. it's Misfits and Freaks, a uh, long version, not the album version. It was the original version, which is longer, with the intro. And the B-side is the unreleased track. Fantastic. And when is this due to be released? Do you have a release date yet? Uh, Around March. March, yeah. yeah. Great. And on Damaged Goods Records, I take it? Yes. Yes. Oh, that's something to look forward to next year then. So, exactly. Please, uh, Please, you can play Misfits and Freaks. The, the album version, the, oh, the yeah. version is a little different. But, uh, That's a different intro, yeah. Yeah, I should I shall do that. And um, i just like to say thank you, Martin. And thank you, Flavio. It's thank fantastic you. to see you. Thank you, Steve. It's always a pleasure talking to you. Great. And, and it was great to see you on tour. Thank yeah. you so much for coming. Yeah, great. Oh, it was nice to be able to catch you a, a couple of times, you know. And, uh, yeah, it was... So don't forget to check out retromanblog.com for the, and I'll put a, a sort of link to the podcast with all the, the links to the band's wonderful merchandise shop um, where you can shop for hours for Christmas and um, Damaged Goods Records where you can check out all their lovely vinyl and lots of other stuff, pictures, links to the previous um, review that we did. Uh, so check it out, retromanblog.com and thanks for listening, everybody. And thanks again, Martin and Flavia. And we Thank you. Miss Fleet Freak Correts. And yes. uh, goodbye. Let's have a party at the end of the